0: Welcome to The Sad Bastard, I'm your host, Dave Ternowski. It's been a bumpy week. Started it feeling good, coming off a high of a great weekend. But on Tuesday I felt my mood slipping, and by the end of the week I was in bad shape. I've discussed dealing with bipolar disorder and the trials and tribulations with my medication. Figuring out what's right for me. And I think I now have the right combination, but nothing is gonna kill the grief I'm still feeling over the loss of my marriage. Nothing but time. One day I think I'm fine, the next I'm in a bad mood, and the next I'm crying. I've been productive though, and I feel like the work I'm doing is good, which makes me happy, at least some of the time. I start writing these episodes as soon as I finish writing and recording the last one. Then, I typically finish writing by Friday and record them in the small hours of Saturday morning. Like right now, it's nearly 4am. It's actually a late start for me. I have a walk-in closet in between my living room and bathroom that has doors on each side and works perfectly as a makeshift sound booth, as long as there's not too much background noise so recording in the middle of the night is optimal. Plus, I really kinda like it. There's something really soothing about being awake when everyone else around me is asleep. And it's completely silent except for the occasional car that goes past the front of the building. I get up, make coffee, sit down and go on Instagram for a bit, wake up, and then around three or later, I go into my little room to record. I finished the last one around 5.30, but some take longer depending on how much I fuck up and have to stop, delete, start over again. Or if my mouth clicks too much because I need water, or my stomach gurgles because I need food, or I just ate. The microphone literally picks up everything. And then the rest of the week, I'm up early every day writing the next episode. Eventually, I'll take all these scripts and make a book out of them. I have a couple of titles that I like, seen as in being seen, and I've been enjoying myself when I haven't been miserable. I said that to someone back in July, I forget who, and they wrote back, that would be an awesome book title. And I agreed, so I wrote it down, and I agree more and more. I've never felt so happy writing before in my life, and I was writing fiction for 27 years before I put that aside last year, to focus on the stuff that led to this very moment, to me talking to you right now. This podcast has been a godsend, and yet, I never wanted a podcast. I mean, not actively, it wasn't even a thought. Hell, I never even listened to podcasts unless they were something my ex wanted me to listen to. Or recently, if I've been a guest on one. So when this guy Sean wrote me at the end of last year, a few months after I started doing the Q&As on Instagram, and said simply, You need a podcast. And then introduced me to church, my future producer. I just went with it. I didn't know what I was doing, I was just doing it. I was just talking, sharing my stories, much like I do in these episodes, only without the edits. My ex and I had been going through our first separation, and the Q&As were distracting me from the pain. Helping others was helping me be honest with myself and others. It took a while for things to get going with the podcast. I mean, my first episode was, what, two months ago? But these past two months have been crucial in helping me through this second, final separation from my wife. I would likely still be an absolute mess all the time if I didn't have this not only to keep me busy, but to help me sit with my thoughts and work through what happened. And not just with us, but with me. And why I did the things I did and how I ended up here alone. And it's also my passion, or the main one at the moment. There's this is great quote from Nietzsche: "He who has a why to live can bear almost any how." Simply put, if you have a reason to live, a why, you can suffer through any shit you need to, the how, whether that's a shitty job or a shitty life in general. This quote came to mind when I received the following submission from one of my followers on Instagram. Sarah wrote, Hard to believe my creative work is good enough. I put in the time every day, but does it matter? Sarah, bottom line, if you love what you do, it matters. It is your why. I mean look, I make no money off of this, at least not yet. When I finally do, it's not going to be enough to live on. So for now, I'll have to do other things I'd rather not do in order to supplement my passion. The how. Until I can get myself to the point where I am doing things that I love. The whys. I make no money from the memes or the Q&A either. Shocking, I know. Some meme accounts will sell shoutouts and do advertising for companies. Mostly, and quite randomly, a particular sex toy company I won't name because I'm not advertising for them or anyone in any way. I'll promote friends of mine, people who run pages I love and believe in. I do that shit for free. Plus, I'm not even sure who would want to advertise on my page maybe therapists or mental health websites, and those I would absolutely consider. My meme accounts focus on difficult parts of life, especially mental health and relationship issues. My memes can be heavy, but there's a humor in them, a knowing smile, a wink at the darkness, as if to say, yes, I get you, I've been there, I'll be back there again, and I'll get out again, and you will too. In a weird way, my memes became a why years ago. And then the Q&A stories became another why. And now this podcast is an even bigger why. The biggest I think I've ever had. I keep adding whys to my life, but no matter what, they never stop the thoughts. The hows can be very difficult to bear sometimes. I think about suicide often. I don't want to kill myself, but the thought arrives all the time. As I've said before, it's a comfort knowing it's there. This one big final pain reliever, especially when things are really hard to bear. My third episode, Ideation, is all about suicide. And I talked a bit on the last episode, Do the Work, about maybe one day jumping into my death into the Grand Canyon, if I ever got to that point. But these are fantasies. No different than fantasies I have of fucking a particular person, for instance. Okay, maybe a little different, but you get my point, I hope. And I will keep discussing suicide. Not just because of the amount of people who write into me about it, or that I think about it from time to time. I want people to know it's natural, and they're not bad for having these thoughts. But because it deserves attention, and it isn't discussed enough unless it's in hushed tones. I want to be a loud voice saying it's okay to think these things, just as long as you find your why, your reason to stick around, even if the reason to stick around is to find your why. That can take a lot longer than you might think. I thought I had mine figured out for years. My why was I was going to be a novelist. It kept me going through unfinished novel after unfinished novel. It was my reason to be. And then it started killing me. I felt like a failure all the time for not being able to finish anything, especially spending years with a woman who was nothing but successful all the fucking time. And so the why started falling apart until the day I finally decided to kill my why. Changing your mind about your why is not a failure, but it is a bit like killing yourself to live. This was in January of 2019. I said to my younger selves, who had created and perpetuated this why, that it was time to move on. Maybe one day we'll get back to it. But for now we need to focus on the why right in front of us, which was the Nick Cave and the Bad Memes Instagram account. As silly as that may seem. A stupid meme account that had started getting serious and started growing fast in popularity as a direct result. People felt seen. And I felt seen in return. Something I didn't realize I was missing. One day I'll get back to fiction. But focusing on that meme account led my life into a direction it never would have gone, had I not given up that ghost. At least for the time being. I would not be sitting here writing this, and then sitting in my little makeshift sound booth recording this, had I not decided to stop hiding behind fictional characters and telling my stories straight. I would not have been able to start being truly honest with myself had I not let go of something that was holding me back from telling the truth to anyone. The true reasons my characters were miserable was I was miserable. The true reasons they thought they were pieces of shit who ruined everything around them was I thought I was a piece of shit who ruined everything around him. So a new why for me became being open and vulnerable and sharing. But even the memes were a form of hiding, only behind the faces of famous people or on top of them, as it were. When I look back to the ones from 2019 and early this year, see how much I was hurting and unhappy with my life. They make me even more glad I started doing the Q and A's and connecting with others and myself. Because one thing I learned is to never make another person your only why. You cannot rely on other people to keep you happy, let alone stay around forever. I've done that many times before, which is the reason I'm saying it. I don't share my views on anything without having some hard-won knowledge gained through painful experience. It's just like suicidal ideation. I've been on the verge so many times. And if you don't have a why, it's very easy to think, why not? when it comes to killing yourself. Life can feel so pointless, and why go through the pain if you don't believe you have a reason to? But I say find your why and never stop looking until you do. It's never too late to find your why unless you're dead. There's no looking forward anymore if you're dead. I mean, that we know of. I'd love to think of an afterworld as a real thing. Maybe even one that's better than this world. Which yes, some would say is a pretty low bar right now. But this world isn't the thing that's bad. It's some of its people. Okay, a lot of its people. A whole lot of people everywhere seem to be saying, hey, how shitty can we possibly be? Let's find out. The whys these people have are trying to rob others of their whys, their abilities to pursue their passions if those things don't fit within their strict set of acceptable actions. But there are still plenty of people with more good than bad in their hearts. I get a lot of people writing in in my Q&As about awful things happening in their countries or awful things happening in my own country and I choose not to respond to most of them. Not because I don't care, or because I live in some bubble where the world outside my apartment doesn't affect me, but because I do my stories and this podcast for very specific things. I want to help the person who wants to kill themselves to keep living. I want to give hope to the hopeless, the hurt, the down, and the doubtful. I want to help people feel seen There are other pages, other podcasts for you to go to for world affairs. Now, I know that may sound cold, and in a way I have to be. It all goes back to creating boundaries, and you create boundaries by having whys. If I suddenly let world events change my focus, and Jesus Christ, there have been enough insane things happening this year, let alone the past four years, to start a thousand different pages and podcasts. Then what I set out to do is diminished. I'm the sad bastard, not the mad bastard. Well, alright, sometimes I'm mad. But what I'm here for is to be a staunch advocate for mental health awareness. To be a shoulder to cry on. A friend when times are tough. For people who may not have any friends. Or don't want to talk to the friends that they do have about this stuff for whatever reason. I want to help people off the metaphorical ledge, sometimes the actual literal edge. I want to be the compassionate big brother I wish I had instead of the two I got. And I don't want to be shamed into doing anything I don't feel fits into what I do. I won't. Even if a lot of what I do is just extremely silly shit. One of my many whys is making people laugh. It brings me great joy to provide brief respites from the seriousness we are constantly sucked into. If all we did was sit around thinking about how fucked we are for this or that reason, how goddamn depressing would life be? I mean, how much more depressing? That's part of what I don't get about the world at the moment. This constant desire to be angry about something. I'm always reminded of George Orwell's 1984 and the two minutes hate. Only in 2020, the hatred never stops. I have anger issues. It's part of my bipolar disorder and at times it's not something I could control. But there are people walking around out there who just wanna hate people who aren't like them. Or whatever the case may be. But trying to understand everyone isn't why I'm here either. I'm here to understand myself better. And to help others who wish to do the same. And I do this through my stories. If possible. Another of my whys. And the thing is. With the world as fucked as it is. I can understand why a lot of people would rather check out early. If any year would be the one to do it. It's this one. But just think, if you could survive 2020, you could survive anything. You are much stronger than you think you are. Life can be an absolute fucking grind. The suffering can feel endless. But if you learn to embrace the suffering, to accept that it's just a part of life, and it always will be, you can enjoy the happy moments more when they come. So to get back to Sarah's question, Sarah, if the thing you consider your why, your reason to live, your passion, isn't doing it for you anymore, find a new one. But before you do that, ask yourself, do I do it for the love of the thing? If the answer is yes, then it is your why. Keep going, no matter the how. But you may need to let go and find another if it's no longer serving you. Which, trust me, I know is terribly hard to do, but it's far from impossible. You just need to let go. But as another follower of mine, Jason, wrote in, there's some fear in letting go. Such a simple statement, such like an obvious thing, but I've been thinking about that a lot lately. My life has been all about reflection these days, even as I'm moving forward through it all. These podcasts, the Q&A stories on Instagram, these are all reflections. So it's like I'm swimming towards something, but I never seem to be getting any closer. I just know I have to keep swimming, but at the same time, I'm enjoying the swimming. And what if the thing, the why, is the swimming? What if constantly moving, constantly working is what I need at the moment? Especially since I haven't been moving much in years. My main focuses for the past couple of years were either supporting my wife and her career or making memes. But now I'm free to do whatever I want. She texted me earlier this week. And typically when she does that, it's just to reach out and check in, to ask how I am. And same for me. But this time she was just telling me about a website that she thought my aunt would find cool. Just a friendly text. And it was lovely. It was exactly the kind of thing a friend would do, which is what I want us to be. And yet I felt a little guilty. And I think I reacted the way I did because I hadn't been missing her at all for a moment. I was only thinking of myself and I had been feeling pretty good about that. So immediately, I started chastising myself. I felt like I should feel like I should feel something more. And just like that, I'm back to missing her constantly. Further proof that grief is not a straight line. And regret is not something one can simply bury and move on from. At least I can't. Aria, another follower of mine wrote in saying, I don't think I'm strong enough for this sadness. It hurts so fucking much. I don't know how to stop it. Aria, I totally get that. I didn't know how to stop it at all, all fucking summer. And now it comes in waves here and there, giving me breaks and then making me break down, but it's always there. On the episode Toxic is Cancelled, I talked a bit about the last time I saw my wife. When I listened to it when it was released, as I always do, so I can hear what my wonderful producer had done with the recording of my voice I sent her, and if I had done an okay job, I cried. It's a surreal experience hearing my own voice, speaking my own words, summarizing moments of my life and crying. But it was nothing close to the tears that I had when everything was still completely fresh. It's so weird to me how something that can feel so raw and unbearable can at some point fade and then suddenly come back and you feel like you've made no progress. When I think of my first wife, I feel no sadness at all, but she took years to get over and we didn't officially get divorced until 2011, nearly three years after we split. To be sure, I'm handling my current breakup much better than I had that one, but there are a lot of differences. I'm 42, a lot more experienced, much more emotionally mature, clean, sober, and I have a sense of purpose completely unlike how I was a decade ago, let alone a few years ago. But I love my second wife with an intensity that eclipses anything I ever felt for my first, or for anyone. So why am I here moving forward for the most part like everything is fine? It could be that I'm constantly keeping myself busy these days. I mean, I literally can't stop writing and recording these things. And it helps that I need to get one done every week. And I love writing and editing and putting together the best show possible. Or it's that I got to a point where I knew I just had to let go of her, like the last time I saw her. There are times when I go backwards for a moment and there will be many to come. But again, the duration gets shorter each time. I'll cry for a few minutes, maybe longer and then get back to living in the present. Or it could be I'm not fine at all. I've just gotten used to it and I'm bullshitting myself into thinking I'm good. Either way, I know I have no control over it. Control is often bullshit. You might think you have it, but it's the last thing you truly have ever. I can say I'm getting over the loss of my wife. I have to after all. And sometimes I feel like I am. But I have no control over the grief and I know it's still there always lurking now if I can't predict whether or not I'm going to be an absolute mess tomorrow or later today or even five minutes from now how can I possibly say I have control over anything all I can do is keep moving forward and then let go of the idea that things need to be a certain way going back to what Sarah said Hard to believe my creative work is good enough. Sarah, the control you have is doing your work. That is all. You cannot control if other people think it's good enough. Only if you do. And most artists never think they are good enough. It's how we get better constantly challenging ourselves. I'm learning to let go of the obsession that everything I do is wonderful and received well by all. I need to always remind myself that it's the doing of the thing that matters. That if a post of mine gets 30,000 likes, or one, I'm still connecting, I'm still helping someone feel seen, I'm still showing myself, and letting others see me. I'm letting go and enjoying the thing for its own sake. And other times I need to let go and take a three hour nap. But that's been rare. Mostly I just want to work these days. And maybe I don't want to stop working because I don't want to focus on the fact that I'm sad. It's a different kind of letting go. Letting yourself feel all of the feelings, not letting go of them, but allowing myself to be with them. Which is weird because when I write these episodes, all I'm doing is feeling. I'm always writing about heavy stuff. This is the sad bastard, not the okay guy. But it's not the same as just sitting with the thoughts and feelings. I used to meditate all the time when I was with my wife, twice a day, every day, pretty much without fail. We practice TM, Transcendental Meditation, a mantra-based form of meditation in which you focus lightly on your mantra until thoughts enter your mind and push it aside. And then you realize that happened and push aside the thoughts with the mantra. You do this over and over for 20 minutes and you come out feeling more well-rested and centered than any nap could ever make you. It calmed me, centered me, gave me mental clarity, mindfulness. And here I am, four months apart from my wife and I've probably meditated 20 times since. But I'm trying to get back to it. I've been doing it once a day this week, in the mornings. And when I sat down to meditate earlier and crossed my legs and shut my eyes, I can feel my body buzzing, like with a low frequency hum. The regimen of psych meds I take has kept a lot of my anxiety at bay, not to mention depression and irritability and all the other bad crap. But the hypomania is very much alive and well. I'm accepting that fact. It's the most pleasurable of the bunch, most often accompanied by a great mood, at least until I burn out or I need to calm myself down with the Xanax. And if I had to choose, that's the one I'd choose. It's so funny to me how life goes. I used to abuse Xanax years ago, during moments when I just wanted to get stoned and zone out and now it's part of my daily regimen and I treat it as such. I used to buy them from a girl who worked in my building. She had severe panic disorder and had way more Xanax than anyone would ever need. So she sold them to me. One milligram pills for a buck a piece. It's a lot cheaper if you have a prescription, but I didn't even have an inkling. I actually needed the drug myself and should have gone to therapy and get diagnosed back then. I just knew it calmed me. I don't recall the first time I ever took it, but back when I lived in Chicago, I worked at a law firm, running the back office and doing collections. I was calling clients of the firm who hadn't paid their bills, not broke individuals. So I never felt dirty about it. But it was a high stress job. And one of the legal secretaries, this lovely older lady named Andrea, would see me freaking out. And every now and then, she would pass by my desk and casually drop off a few Xanax wrapped in a tissue and give me a little smile. I'd take one and instantly feel better. She was such an angel. But she had no idea I was a substance abuser that I was smoking weed constantly. And that was likely making me much more anxious since I didn't know I had bipolar disorder back then. Fast forward to the present day and there's still a substance abuser within me. There always will be, but I take Xanax as a medication now because it works and I can only have a certain amount each day or else I won't have any for future days. Plus, I want to work and be alert, and getting stoned and zoning out are the exact opposite of helpful. I'm finally being a responsible adult, and it feels nice. And I think that's because I actually am an adult, finally. I get kids writing into me all the time, saying stuff like, finally an adult, because they turned 18 or 21, and I always laugh. In a way, I feel like I became an adult back in June when my wife and I split, especially the day after, when I walked into a head shop and walked out without any weed. I decided I was going to sit with the pain and deal with it, get through it on my own. Okay, with nicotine and caffeine, but still. Brought to you by nicotine and caffeine, because what are you gonna do, not vibrate all day? Four months later, and I'm still in pain. I just get time off from it every now and then. And I distract myself so much that I think it's gone, that I've moved on, and then it returns. You don't go through years being with a person and then feel totally fine without them within a few months. Breakups are one of the leading causes of new relationships, rebounds, because some people just can't bear to be alone with themselves. And they rush into new things when they're not emotionally ready. I was definitely one of them. Within a month of moving back to New York from Chicago, after my first marriage ended, I met someone from Boston through a dating site. I confessed my love to her almost immediately. Imelda. I hardly knew her, I just needed to feel love. Even if it was pretty much pretend. We dated for maybe two months. Then I met a woman named Sandy at a party in February, at a mutual friend's birthday party. Now an ex friend, literally, because I dated her friend. Anna, if you're listening, go fuck yourself. Anyway, Sandy had just gotten out of a long relationship, and we were together for an intense month and a half. Both wonderful and terrible. But through all of this, I was talking to my ex. My first ex-wife, I mean. Who I was still married to, mind you. And would be for two more fucking years. <laughs> Even though we were split and living in different states. I mean, both literally and metaphorically. In 2011, I finally got divorced and I met Caitlyn who would be my on and off girlfriend and then morph into a fuck buddy. And we were buddies. She would come over, we'd fuck passionately, then get stoned and watch TV or vice versa. And then she'd go home to her apartment in Manhattan, like a 15 minute cab ride from where I was in Astoria, Queens, where she'd stay over or I'd go to her place and we'd do the same stuff. I thought eventually we would get serious, and at one point I told her I loved her, but basically she just laughed it off. She knew I wasn't serious or emotionally ready or both, and she was right. If I'm being completely honest here, which I always strive to, I wasn't even emotionally ready when I met my second wife, but she helped me get there. For nearly seven years, she helped me get there kicking and screaming the entire way. As I've said before, I was a man-child until very recently, and I still have my days, but I'm working on being better. I wouldn't be able to do this, to write all of this, and then record it and share it with the world without having been with her. So no, I'm definitely not over her. I mean, I'm typing this with tears in my eyes right now, but I'm getting there, I have to it's over and when it's over you need to let go and move on no matter how fucking hard that is to use Nietzsche's idea of the how and the why getting over a relationship is the why excruciating pain is the how and you need to fall in love with yourself again or maybe for the first time ever so I will stick to the rule I set for myself when she and I split. No dating for at least a year. I will learn from my past mistakes. Not put anyone through my bullshit again, or at least the not same bullshit. But my wife and I will always share a bond. We will always be connected, at least in my heart. I texted her the other day to ask how she was doing and she texted back, not great. And that made me tear up. I'm sad for her. And I know I'm a large part of why she's sad. And that makes me sad in return. I love her. And I hate that I hurt her. And I miss her. These things are true. But so are the facts that I'm moving on. I'm feeling less guilt. I'm forgiving myself and I'm starting to feel happy again on my own, beholden to no one but myself. And I'm getting back to myself, one step at a time, while also figuring out who I'm becoming. The better version of Dave Tarnowski I will be. The better version I am already because of her, even with all the flaws I still have and the changes I still need to make. And I know she will be a better version of herself, too. And I know I helped her be a better version over the years. There's this gold chain she gave me years ago that I started wearing again. When I found it, it was severely tangled up. And it took a great amount of patience, something I'm not normally known for, to detangle the whole thing. But there's one single spot I can't untangle one simple knot. So I stopped trying and that's how I wear it. This tiny knot hanging down on my chest like a pendant. That knot is us. We will forever be entwined. That's it for this week. Thanks to everyone for writing in. to everyone for listening please subscribe, rate, review and share this podcast and follow my Instagram accounts in the cave in the bad memes sad peaks Don Drooper Mimi Bridgers and the sad bastard pod on the cave in the bad memes and sad peaks I do the Q&A where you can tell me what's on your mind and I might save it to reply to on a future episode I do need to add that I'm no longer doing them daily. I will do them once a week, once on Nick Cave and the Bad Memes, and once on Sad Peaks. I've been feeling burnt out, so I needed to create another boundary for myself. You could also drop me a DM over at the Sad Bastard Pod. There's much more space to write exactly what you need to say. Just try not to send me a novel. I'll be back next week. Until then, take care of yourselves, forgive yourselves, love yourselves, and find your why. They're taking me down, my friend. As they usher me off to my end, while well, I bid you adieu. Be seeing you soon, what they say around here is true, then we'll meet again, me and you.